This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing, wait, you've never seen Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? You sound upset. This actually kind of surprises me because you love Jimmy Stewart and, well, you kind of love hate. No, it's no, a wonderful no, 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 life. No, wait a minute here, doggone it. I'm not going to let you shit around here and say things about me that aren't true. <laughs> I do, I love Yes. And since this is also a Frank Capra, Jimmy Stewart movie, I was very surprised to learn you had not you had not seen it. I have a deep prejudice against <laughs> against old-timey movies that are in black and white. I this podcast has shown me that I'm wrong. Wait, what was that again? You can replay <laughs> my own words since Virginia actually uh, edits these. Yes. She now has that forever. To plug in wherever she would like. I was wrong. Maybe if we have a fight, I'll make it your, like, text tone. Okay. I was on. wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. So, up front, yes, trigger warnings. Please. There were a couple of derogatory references towards Native Americans because that's how white people are. We're kind of <laughs> towards everyone who's not white. Um, something I've noticed in these older movies is there's a lot of implied attempted suicide, like off-screen suicide attempts. We can show actual direct violence against children, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> As is also a trigger, maybe. A yeah, trigger there was. Um, that's kind of towards the end of the movie. Some of uh, what's his name? That was shocking. What's his name? The um, enforcer uh, uh, Taylor. Taylor's enforcers like were running kids off, the, literally running kids off the road. So. And it was said later, uh, and they were and they were hurt. Like yeah. it was said later, like the kids were hurt as a result of those. That's yeah, just so amazing. um, yeah, that was towards the end of the movie. But so suicide, watch out for that. Sorry, but suicide, suicide, we can't show for some reason. Right. We can't literally show that happening. I wonder if that was. I we, we haven't looked up the Hollywood like uh, laws and or the codes and whatnot. That I don't know if there were codes. I think there was just, they just thought, oh, well, the basic codes of decency will dictate what we would show in movies. I think there was some kind of code that, like, um, you know, um, It's a Wonderful Life was unique because the bad, the bad guy didn't get his comeuppance because there was some rule that the bad guy always had to lose or else the movie couldn't get made. Or am I remembering this wrong? You could be right. I'm, I'm not sure. So pre-code era of Hollywood cinema stretched from around 28 to 33. This was made in 39. This was the golden era of Hollywood. <laughs> um, so the Hayes Code restrictions were as follows. Crime and immorality could never be portrayed in a positive light. If someone performed an immoral act, they had to be punished on screen. Oh, right. So he was never, what's that called? Cases of adaptational karma. Ooh, interesting. Um, films could only present correct standards of life 
for the times unless the plot called for something else. Oh, look. This rule disallowed morally derelict characters being driven to suicide. There you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that was that first crime and immorality could never be portrayed in a positive light. But they're they're spelling it out in a literal way. Right. This rule also disallowed. Yeah. So, learn something. Thank you, tvtropes.org, for enlightening us on that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I I understand what you said now about the Capricorn. Not because being corny. <laughs> this was so much. I did not remember it being this over the top, cis, able bodied, straight, white man patriotism it was dripping with patriotism which is why i'm including it in the trigger warnings is because the founding father like we all love america we all live here well except for our people listening across various ponds hi ann hi um the founding fathers weren't that great they, a lot of them own slaves, which to me just says they're not great people right off the bat. Right. I mean, they had some good ideas that we're still sticking with, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Little. A little. A little here and there. But, um, but yeah, not great. They're not like these um, flawless heroes that, say, Jefferson Smith wants them to be. So, yeah. Just dripping with patriotism. Beware. Yikes. Anyway, <clears throat> so, what were three things you expected from this Capricorny Jim, Jimmy Stewart movie? I expected, number one, Jimmy Stewart being himself, <laughs> uh, but without the poetry. L- later in life, he would go on, like, talk shows and whatnot, and he'd go, ah, I'd, like to, I'd like to do a, a poem real quick. I want to do He a did po- not really do that. Oh, I Did he sw- really? I swear... And we will slot in Jimmy Stewart <laughs> reading a poem. Not real long, but I'll find one. He never came to me when I would call unless I had a tennis ball, or he felt like it. But, <laughs> but mo- mostly, he didn't come at all. When, when he was young, he never learned to heal or sit or stay. He did things his way. Discipline was not his bag, but when you were with him, things sure didn't drag. Uh, secondly, mm-hmm. leftist feel-goodery. <laughs> I don't know, I felt it would be... Le- and thirdly, I honestly thought, because I've heard references to Mr. Smith goes to Washington, blah, 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 and idealistic, whatever, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Like, that's generally what I thought, but... I generally thought it would be some sort of, you know, idealistic, idealistic boy tries to make good and, you know. Right. But I thought there would be almost like a, um, I thought Mr. Smith might be Charlie from Flowers for Argenon. Uh, I haven't seen that. Sorry, Flowers for Algernon. It's a movie and short story. Sometimes it's called a novel. I don't know why. Where a a low IQ um, bakery worker is chosen to take part in a medical procedure, which could turn him into a genius. Hmm. So he also realizes as be so he's able to become super intelligent, but he's also gains 
unwanted knowledge about the harsh realities of the world and loses his childlike wonder. Oh, I see. Blah, blah, which is, I mean, there's... There's an analogy there, I mm-hmm, think, to, mm-hmm. to Mr. Smith and Charlie. But anyway, that's what I expected. Did you expect to like it or not like it? I gave it 3.5 stars. Uh-huh. Because this is, my, this is now only my third Jimmy Stewart movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I've ever seen. Wait, It's a Wonderful Life and what's the other one? Uh, Shop Around the oh, Corner. Oh, right. Shop Around the Corner. Yes. We just watched that one. We did. So my one-sentence TV Guide summary is, Small Town Boy Makes Good for Freedom. <laughs> okay, so do you want to hear what IMDb had to say about it? Of course I do. Okay, so Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is from 1939. Um, it's not rated. It's two hours and nine minutes. It's a comedy drama. And it says, A naive man is appointed to fill a vacancy in the United States Senate. His plans promptly collide with political corruption, but he doesn't back down. Oh my goodness. Things aren't going to go well for him, I don't think. No. Spoilers. Should we have said that earlier? (laughs) So how did things meet? It sounds like it met some of your expectations. It did, um, and it had a little bit more depth than I thought from a Capra, <laughs> from a Capra picture. Oh, really? A Capra picture, because that's what they would call. Anyway, so n- now after watching it, I give it a four point five. Wow. Yeah, I just I just love uh, Jimmy Stewart. So as far as my TV guide summary being right or not, it didn't take much of a risk guessing that Jimmy Stewart was going to make good in Washington. Right. But uh, I think I was, I think I was, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty close. Th- there wasn't really a left-leaning message, and they they went out of their way to not, and it was smart of them. They mm-hmm. didn't label, par- they didn't tell us which party was which. Right. They didn't tell us what state was which. We right. don't know what Mr. Smith's state is, which I thought was really smart. Although it looks like the Midwest somewhere. Yeah. He the- probably comes from Iowa. So the only reference they really made to the um, what state they might be from was that he was, like, they said he was one of the top senators in the West or something like. So we know it's he's not okay. along the Atlantic coast. That's all that we that we really know. The West is charitably described as anything like that does not have an East Coast (laughs) to it, essentially. And that was something that I had noticed, too, was um, that um, they were very careful not to specify the parties or the state. I think Mm -hmm. probably to maintain that universal David versus Goliath like feel, you know? So any... We can watch this now and associate our own political whatevers with each side. And then a hundred years from now, it may be completely reversed and people view it. It will still be a similar experience. They call this uh, an evergreen movie. Thank you. No, yes. no one no one calls that, I don't think. But yeah, like it doesn't matter. And, and frankly, it doesn't matter what your party affiliation is of any time. Like if there's corruption that you see in Washington... There's always, you know... There should always be a way to call that out and successfully do so. Thank you. That's... Yeah. Exactly. There should be. Sorry. 
Who, who, are you, do you have a message for someone <laughs> in particular? I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> Trump listens to this. <laughs> We're way too sophisticated for him. Oh, by the way, shout out to the NSA people who have to like listen to this. Yeah. Holler! <laughs> um, so what else do you, what else do you have? Did Frank Capra just plop the camera right down and let it roll and go get a sandwich or something? Yeah, there were a lot of awkward, a lot of awkward scenes. Like one where it's in uh, Smith's office, but they're like going in and out of different rooms or something, but it's just staying on the empty main room. Or right. some, am I remember that? There's a, there's a couple of scenes like that. There's one, uh, the train... There's a uh, train station sequence, which is similar. Uh-huh. People are just coming in and out of the frame, and no one really... Maybe that... The viewer doesn't really know what to look at exactly. <laughs> it's a little disorienting. I wonder if there there's a specific purpose for that. You know, like, oh, there's a meaning to every shot. I mean, I don't know if there is or not. However, since I do love Frank Capra, if only for just one movie okay maybe three movies now mm-hmm. um he does know how to put together a mean montage he does yes rubber drives paper drives <laughs> four f on a kind of I, i'm not gonna do all of i could do we've we needed talked about it mr smith goes to bedford falls or something <sighs> with the magic of cgi we could make that happen hey you're the you're the photoshop expert ah. person okay so, I just wrote down some, like, the last thing I wrote down about this was, uh, this movie is a love letter to the nation. Like, there's some problems. Right. There's some problems with America, and I think Capra, you know, the movie was kind of about that. But overall, it's like, it seems to be, this is a, the message is, like, we love this thing. You know, this nation, let's not, let's not screw it up. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. And, like, despite me knowing, like, yeah, this is, this is a lot of, this is a lot. Yeah. At the, I still feel like, oh, he's going to do it, and he's going to, and I'm like, but is he going to, like, you still feel that anticipation. Yeah. And, like, that feel-good Capra-ness that you're supposed to feel. Yeah, which, I mean, I think Capra gets a bad rap for being like, oh, his movies are corny, like, just, like, the idea of, oh, just, you know, disregard them. Because there's a, there's a, a, a seriousness and a real heart and real, you know, I don't think, I don't think it's completely fair, I guess, you know, to say that he, he makes corny movies. Mm-hmm. Like Arsenic and Old Lace, that one was really funny. <laughs> um. So, um, speaking of "It's a Wonderful Life," did some of those um, actors look a little familiar to you? Y- yes. If it was the 1930s or 40s, I guess you have Uncle Billy uh, to be your drunk mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ma Bailey's gonna be your ma in either movie. Was she? Yeah, I didn't know, that I didn't was her. her. Mm-hmm. Are there more? Ma Smith and Ma Bailey. Are the same character or the same actress, mm. um, Uncle Billy, and um, 
Diz. He plays Diz. Yeah, his name isn't Uncle Billy in real life, but that's the character's name in It's a Wonderful Life. And then, of course, you know, um, Jimmy Stewart. So. Well, obviously, yeah. Okay, so th- I want to talk a little bit about filibustering. Do you have anything else oh, you'd like to discuss? Do we have three hours for you to talk about filibuster? Shut <laughs> up. Um, okay. <laughs> So, the first time I realized that you had not seen this movie mm-hmm. was we were talking about Wendy Davis's filibuster, which was in June of 2013 here in the great state of Texas. And I was explaining how everything had gone down. And I said something like, oh, and it was even more difficult than Mr. Smith goes to Washington because the Texas debating rules are very, or not debating rules. The Texas filibustering rules are very stringent. Yeah. And you said something like, oh, well, I've never seen that before. And I I think I may have actually gasped that you had not seen it. They may have been, like, on a maybe first date when we were at the, the Texas State Capitol building. That might have been it, yeah. <laughs> um, so... So thank you, by the way, for not just leaving. <laughs> I mean, take a taxi home or something. So, um, so filibustering in the United States Senate and the Texas Senate is very different. Um, would you like to know the, um, the longest, the, who did the longest filibuster in the United States Senate history? Do you know this one? Oh, I was going to say, it's not Wendy Davis. It wouldn't be Wendy Davis because she's not a U.S. Senator. Uh, Al Gore? Al Gore did some long ones. No, who? It was a, um... Noted old man and racist, Strom Thurmond, who filibustered the 1957 Civil Rights Act. Now, the one that we all know and love, I believe, was passed in 64 and the Voting Rights Act in 65. So, see, he, like, it still passed when he filibustered it, but it didn't have a whole lot of teeth in it, which is why they needed the 64. So... Strom Thurmond filibustered for 24 hours and 18 minutes against the Civil Rights Act of 1957. It doesn't say what the rules are, but I think they had actually H.V. Kaltenborn, who I guess was a radio guy back then, um, actually do the radio announcing in in the movie. Wow. And he said something like, and this junior senator... Well, hold the floor as long as he can stay standing. Doesn't leave the um, doesn't leave the the uh, the room. Uh, doesn't stop talking. Doesn't for, stop talking. Although he does stop talking for certain periods of time, but there must be a time limit. But yeah. that's not specified. Um. So yeah, it's very it's very like basic cut and like he pulls out an apple he pulls out his coffee thermos and it's like okay he can have stuff to eat and like there's been um could wendy davis was wendy davis allowed apples and a thermos no Mm. um so as for the bathroom situation because you know he's going to be talking for i think jefferson smith talked for like strom thurman wear a diaper that wouldn't surprise me but a lot of times like their comrades in arms would like surround a um, trash can so that they could just pee oh. in the trash can. Oh, it's gross. Yeah. I'm so. very visual. <laughs> and I'm thinking about Strom Thurmond. 
So, um, Wendy Davis was filibustering. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm seeing a picture of her really expensive running shoes that she was able to stand on. And she has a mat as well that she's standing on while she was filibustering. That's not a mat, though. That's just that plastic thing that um, everybody has at their office desk. Oh, but that looks like it's a better surface to stand on than just the carpet. Oh, it's yeah. like an extra padding. So basically what had happened was, um, and this was, God, almost six years ago. So um, there was um, abortion regulation that was proposed in this, our great state of Texas. And um, it had to do with um, requiring uh, clinics that provided abortion to meet certain ambulatory service, like you go to the ambulatory surgery center to... Are you talking about outpatient? Outpatient? Yes. Okay. So... Well, you get your tonsils out. Right. So they wanted uh, clinics that provided abortions to meet these certain standards. So, like, you need to have wider hallways for a gurney. You need to have uh, different kinds of bathrooms. So these, right. all of these... Um, changes would be cost prohibitive to clinics, essentially putting them out of business, therefore limiting abortion access throughout the state of Texas, which is bigger than the country of France, by the way. So this was going to affect a lot of people. Right. There was a hearing about, there was a hearing about this bill and it, a lot of people, a lot of the the people went to testify at this open hearing it became known as the people's filibuster because to continue to draw to like draw out the process so many people came and like kept talking about it and kept putting in their um testimony that it eventually went past like i want to say it went past midnight like i said this was so other people can speak in this filibuster not in this filibuster this i'm sorry this Wendy was Davis. leading up to the filibuster okay so, the um, the session was supposed to end. Let me see. Let me make sure I have the date right. June twenty fifth, twenty thirteen. Prior to first, you go through the hearing, then you go through the House. The House tried to the House Democrats tried to slow this bill down. So, oh my God, I love them so much. There was one point where um. One of the um, whoever was leading the gallery at that time was calling for order, and when she banged the gavel, like the gavel separated, and the head of the gavel almost hit the speak the person who was speaking <laughs> in the head, and he's like, "I'm I'm traumatized. I think I need two weeks to. I moved to table the bill for two weeks, and I'm like, oh, I love you so much right now. So anyway, so they dragged it That's out great. for a while, mm -hmm. as long as they could, really. So by the time it gets to the Senate, they've got to run out the clock for about 13 hours because the, the, um, the session ends June 25th, 2013. It gets to the Senate. She starts her, starts her filibuster June 25th, 2013, right? So during a filibuster, this is from texastribune.org. During a filibuster, a senator is limited to topics relevant to the bill being discussed and cannot eat, drink, or use the restroom during the speech. 
The rules also prohibit sitting or leaning on a desk or chair under any circumstances when the senator has the floor and is speaking on the bill or resolution. So if I may? Yes. Does the senator recognize the senator from the other chair? <laughs> uh, so, yes. So Mr. Smith had like way, way easier time. Yes. Because so like, he was leaning a lot. He had he was able to eat and nothing well generally speaking the things he was talking about he read the constitution at one point which okay kind of has to do with what he was talking about but not really right so like wendy davis wouldn't have been able to get to get up and just read the constitution that we thought of that (laughs) i'm sure um and she actually, like, it's sort of a three strikes in your out policy if you have, like, people can call points of order on you and say, like, oh, she's talking about something that's not germane to the top. God, I hated that word germane after that summer. It's so <laughs> terrible. Anyway. So women were able to give, like, a testimony, and she was able to read that testimony. Right, she was reading the testimony. Um, but at one point, she had been standing up, and so she had, like, this back brace on, and one of her fellow senators, like, touched her back brace, and they said that that was an assist, that she was being assisted, like, that was violating the rules of, like, leaning or whatever, so that that counted against her. So, this like... Jack <laughs> is paying attention. If anyone gets close to her, we can call a point. And then, let me see, longest... There was one other thing I wanted to see. Longest filibuster in... Texas history. So, this is also from the Texas Tribune. The um, the longest filibuster in Texas history was 43 out 40, almost two solid days. Wait, he wasn't drinking any water for almost two days? And that was in 1977. You can die after three days if you're in the wrong circumstances without water, I think. The Let's Guinness see. Book of World Records. So, okay. So it says, wow. in 1977, uh, Judge Bill Meyer um, set the world record for longest filibuster. From the floor of the Texas Senate, Meyer spoke mostly uninterrupted for 43 hours to fight a bill he viewed as an attack on the state's open record laws. The achievement was recognized in the Guinness Book of World Records for well over a decade. Guinness eventually stopped tracking that record in its book, so it's not clear if anyone has ever beaten him. <laughs> the legislative re- reference library still describes Myers holding the national, the national record. Wow. Um, let's see. At 3:20 p.m. on May 2nd, Myers stood at his desk and began speaking. He continued until May 4th at 10:20 a.m. In compliance with the rules of a filibuster, he didn't lean on anything. He said. He stuck to the topic of the bill, a requirement of a filibuster per Senate parliamentary rules, by spending hours aloud reading from law books about legal cases that have to do with the right to privacy. Wow. Oh, and he also outfitted himself with an astronaut bag. Wait, that doesn't seem fair. Wendy Davis had a catheter when she was standing on it. Oh, oh. I misunderstood. I misunderstood the phrase "astronaut bag." I get it now. So, as you know, I am a lifelong Texan, and I never miss an opportunity to talk about Texas. And that's why I wanted to talk about United States filibusters and Texas filibusters. 
Yeehaw. Thank you. I didn't mean that in a sarcastic way. Uh-huh. I meant that with all the love in my heart that I have for <laughs> Texas, even though I'm a foreigner That's in this true. great state. You're, well, we're assimilating you. Don't worry. Well, I mean, isn't it like in Jaws where, like, Brody's wife says, well, when am I going to get to be an islander? <laughs> no, if you weren't born here, you're never going to be an islander. Can I, I be a Texan without having, without having been born here? We we like to adopt. We like to adopt people who have been assimilated into the Texan culture. Okay. So you have hope. Thank you. You're welcome. Would you like to talk about the Bechdel test? I'm gonna say that it failed. That it, it did fail. Um, I don't think I saw a non-white male face. Um, you would be incorrect. Well, I mean, obviously, there's. I think there was an African American child, and yes. there were. Obviously, ladies, but I don't think more than. Anyway, go ahead. Well, um, there, for um, regarding black people, there were the porters at the um, at the railroad who just oh, kind right. of finally dumped the luggage off on on what's his name because they were tired of following him around looking for Jefferson Smith. Right. There were a couple of it was mainly people like in the service industry, and then that one little boy, who. Um, what was it called? Boys, not boys', boys life. It, it was on. It was based on the magazine Boys' Life, right? Um, and then for there were four women characters. There was uh, Saunders, Clarissa Saunders. That was the main female role. Um, Susan Payne. That was the daughter. The daughter, the senator's daughter, um, Ma Smith, and then Emma. Emma Hopper, the governor's wife, remember at the very beginning and when all the kids are yelling at him to appoint Jefferson Smith, and he was like, Emma, bring in your kids or whatever, and she's <laughs> like, I don't even care. So we have, so they only passed one? Did they only pass one of the three? So there were two named, there were at least two named female characters. That's they one. They did talk to, so Saunders they talked. talked to each other. Saunders talked to... Um, Susan and she talked to Ma Smith mm -hmm. but they were always talking about I was about to say George they're always talking about <laughs> Jefferson Smith so <laughs> they did talk they didn't meet the last one talking to each talking other about, about something a, other than something other than a man sorry. sorry sorry you needed a man's interrupt you to explain things <laughs> so I don't know we, this is we're starting in to get more into failed territory, which makes me sadder, but it, it was 1939, so it was to be expected, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it was, wasn't that representative of the, of the Senate at the time? It was all white men in the Senate, I assume, right? Yes, yes. It so it's all. not like... Yeah, they wouldn't have... That was a snapshot of, of the Senate at the time. Right. So... True. If you have a movie that's solely about the Senate at that time... Now, in disability portrayal, uh -oh. um, I didn't really... Here's my main question, which is a question I had during Wendy Davis's filibuster as well, is would a disabled person be able to filibuster? The, if one cannot stand, if one needs... For example, if Tammy Duckworth, who we've talked about previously here... Um, wanted to filibuster she uses a wheelchair pretty regularly it's just i think she said it's just easier for her to get around that way sometimes um 
would she ever be able to filibuster? She is a senator, right? Yes. Knowing she cannot, she cannot stand for an unlimited amount of time, probably. Um, now, is she, um, she's an amputee? Yes. She uses prosthetic leg. I think both prosthetic legs. Yes. I would love, I would love to see that play out. I agree. I think there That'd needs be to be some changes to the filibuster rules, especially if, um, you know, if the if the demographics of the uh, of the Senate and the House of Representatives continue to change, we need to adapt our rules. No pun intended. We need to adapt our rules to fit with the changing times. Is my opinion. So that's I mean that's you, my thought on disability representation. The first thing I'm thinking of is Tammy Duckworth filibusters, and in the first second, like you know, some jerk off goes, "Wait, she's leaning because she has prosthetic legs." Well, she wouldn't have to worry about that at the United States level. That's just our dickish politics here in Texas oh, that say true. you can't lean. <laughs> Oh, Texas politics. I love to hate them. But yeah, so she could, she would be able to lean, but that's still not really fair to ask. She's a senator. She should have the right to to participate in this magical, like, imaginary... <laughs> to participate in this imaginary filibuster we've created for her. Yes. She should have the right to participate in it. Agreed. <laughs> Um, what about pop culture references you now understand? Well, I mean, excluding the reference that, you know, the fact that on our first date you mentioned this movie and I didn't, I didn't know what you're talking about. From time to time in the news and political shows, they'll reference Mr. Smith Goes to Washington when talking about someone running for office when they're a wide-eyed, idealistic, inexperienced person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beto O'Rourke comes to mind. Oh. Poor Beto. Love you, Beto. Um, so now I, I get it in more of a... I understand more specifically what they mean mm-hmm. by that now. Like, I kind of got the idea. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's often... There was, I didn't, I I didn't write it down. I didn't write it down, but... Very recently, someone... Wasn't it John Oliver? I think it was. I'm I'm thinking someone referenced uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington when talking about Beto O'Rourke. I think it was was, um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, actually. Was it? I don't think... Oddly enough, made a reference to... Made a connection to Beto O'Rourke and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which is funny because that dovetails nicely into our next podcast that we'll be recording. True. Where Jim Carrey is the star, but anyway, what were you saying about oh, oh John Oliver? So John Oliver mm-hmm. mentions. Uh, I was gonna say like we had watched something maybe a, a few weeks ago, and he I just remember seeing like his face on the TV screen with like a still from, oh, from Mr. Mr. Smith <laughs> Goes to Washington. So yeah. I could be misremembering that. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's just like you're saying it's a shorthand for idealistic yeah. newcomer to Washington faces corruption and disillusionment. Yeah. So, how would the movie be different with today's technology? 
Oh, well, I mean, there's no way that Taylor and his minions could control the internet and everyone's friggin' phone. Right. Like, Taylor went through and he's like, just stop all the newspapers and run over little boys carrying oh newspapers, God. which is... <laughs> and ripping them out of the hands of little boys? That's horrible. It was so... It, that <laughs> that was, was my least favorite part of the movie. They were so mean. And I, like, I have no doubt that, that like... That probably actually would have happened in that day and age when, like, I don't know. So messed up. So, yeah, I don't think, I don't think the reach of rich people in that, you know, rich, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, Rich, corrupt people no longer sort of have a stranglehold on knowledge, on, you know, on current events the way they used to it's no longer you just control the newspapers and radio and tv right there's so many different ways to get information now that it'd be harder to control i mean jefferson smith could have a twitter account and just be like and saunders could run his twitter account while he's filibustering right right and get his message out you wouldn't have to worry about running down kids because you would just be tweeting yeah and the kids would be at you know at their Boy Scout place, like... Doing Boy Scout stuff. Yeah. So, one of the things that I noticed was when, you know, when Jefferson Smith originally gets to Washington, and he's all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, mm-hmm. and just wanders off from the train station. Oh, look, there's the Capitol building. Which I totally relate to, because, like, I did an internship in Washington, D.C., um, back in 2014, and... When I first got, I'd never been to Washington, D.C. before. I was going to be there for two and a half months, so I was really excited. And you do get kind of this overwhelming sense of, like, awe the first time you see in person the things you've seen on TV and in general, like, just media everywhere Yeah. since birth. And you finally see it, and it's like, wow, that's really powerful. So, like, I related to what he was, like, but it's also, like, you're here to do a job, man. You're here to do a job. Pull it together. You know, go do that stuff after hours or whatever. Yeah. So, but my thing was, they would have been able to find him so easily because let's assume he had a phone. He's going to be oh, Instagramming right. himself I mean, or checking in on Foursquare or Swarm or whatever the f- <laughs> it's called and they would just be like go track him down at the Lincoln Monument and Lincoln Memorial yeah that's where he's gonna be you, you just call your friend at the NSA and they can track him by his phone right his exact location you right. just go get him <laughs> um and then one of the things they um they kind of made a big deal about was that he didn't have a whole lot of knowledge um about being a senator he was just there to be a yes man he didn't really right. know how to he didn't even know the process of um, how a bill becomes because there was no schoolhouse rock. <laughs> right, I'm just a bill. I won't do it. Go ahead. I'm only a bill, and I'm sitting, sitting on, on Capitol Hill. Hill. Boom, boom. Okay. <laughs> we might need to get that now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but here my thing is, C-SPAN is a thing now, and right. he strikes yeah. me as the kind of guy that like. He's sitting at home on a Saturday just shooting the breeze or whatever. I'm going to flip on C-SPAN and see what's happening in the legislature these days. So he, 
I think he would have way more, like, layman's knowledge of um, how a bill becomes a law, for instance. He wouldn't be as in the dark as he would have been then because he seems like the type of person who would use the resources available to learn everything there is to possibly know about America and its workings. Yeah, definitely not a lazy person. Right. Not like, oh, I'm I'm happy to be ignorant. He's ignorant, but that's part of his charm. Yes. (laughs) Do you have anything else? I didn't want to say something because, especially because okay. of what just happened outside, is. Wait, what just happened outside? Did you not hear that truck start up and it's like all loud and stuff? Oh. Because I, I was not- focusing on what you're saying. Sorry. I, I hear it. Yeah, I hear it. Well, I just noticed when I'm editing. Yeah. Sometimes oh, we'll you can hear, hear the really. Noises. So, audience, we li- a literal stone's throw from one of the major highways in. Austin, like you I could walk. Quite an arm. You have to have quite an arm to actually hit it, though. There is a service road. Oh yeah, closer. I could hit the service road. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's why you sometimes hear stuff like that. Well, that's the parking lot, but you'll sometimes hear road noises in our podcasts because that's all. Why are you looking at me? Just I'm just listening to you. What? Anyway, okay. So, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotato.com. Episode transcripts and links to what we talked about are available on our website at WaitYou'veNeverSeen.com, and we're on Facebook and Twitter under WaitYNS. You can email us at WaitYou'veNeverSeen at gmail.com. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which isn't the longest title of any movie ever made, which I assumed it might be. No, we, we watched Dr. Strangelove. I think that still holds the record for right now. That's awesome. Anyway, thanks for listening. gotta climb a lot of steps to get to this capitol building here in washington well i wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is i'm just a bill yes i'm only a bill and i'm sitting here on capitol hill well it's a long long journey to the capitol city it's a long long wait while i'm sitting in committee but i know i'll be a law someday at least i hope and pray that i will but today i am still just a bill Gee, Bill, you certainly have a lot of patience and courage. Well, I got this far. When I started, I wasn't even a bill. I was just an idea. Some folks back home decided they wanted a law passed, so they called their local congressman, and he said, you're right, there ought to be a law. Then he sat down and wrote me out and introduced me to Congress, and I became a bill. And I'll remain a bill until they decide to make me a law. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I got as far as Capitol Hill. Well, now I'm stuck in committee, and I'll sit here and wait while a few key congressmen discuss and debate whether they should let me be alone. I hope and pray that they will, but today I am still just a bill. Listen.
listen to those congressmen arguing. Is all that discussion and debate about you? Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. Most bills never even get this far. I hope they decide to report on me favorably, otherwise I may die. Die? Yeah, die in committee. Oh, but it looks like I'm going to live. Now I go to the House of Representatives and they vote on me. If they vote yes, what happens? Then I go to the Senate and the whole thing starts all over again. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And if they vote for me on Capitol Hill, well, then I'm off to the White House where I'll wait in a line with a lot of other bills for the president to sign. And if he signs me, then I'll be along. How I hope and pray that he will. But today, I am still just a bill. You mean even if the whole Congress says you should be a law, the president can still say no? Yes, that's called a veto. If the president vetoes me, I have to go back to Congress and they vote on me again. And by that time, you're so By old, that time, you? it's very unlikely that you become a law. It's not easy to become a law, is it? No, but how I hope and pray that I will. But today, I am still just a bill. He signed your bill. Now you're a law. Oh, yes.